Welcome back to the Purse Service Podcast. On the show today, we're thinking about happiness. How can we find it? Regardless of how the gig is going, how we can share it with those around us instead of being a complainer, and where we can focus our energy to make the biggest change. Well, this is a podcast for classical musicians who want to live a creative, successful, and happy life at each and every service. You know that it's not always easy to do this. There's a lot of uncertainty, a lot of concerns about money, a lot of criticism and comparison out there. So we host these conversations to take a break from all of that and encourage and inspire each other. We'd like to thank you for listening and subscribing to the show. You can learn more about who we are by visiting our website, www.herservice.co. Once you're there, you'll see that this is the freelancing-related side of orchestraexcerpts.com, a resource that I created to help instrumentalists prepare for orchestra auditions. But in short, your hosts are Anna Luce, a violinist in New York City, Christian Marshall, a violist in Graz, Austria, Jessica Wiersma, a violinist in Indianapolis, and me, I'm Michael Giblin, I'm a violinist. I'm currently homeless en route to a new city and a whole new gig scene, which I'll talk more about soon. One last thing is that we'd like to thank Fix Music Publishing for providing the hosting for this show. Because if you need to buy some sheet music, no matter what instrument you play, check out fixmusic.com. One small feature that I really like is that when you look up a piece that you need to purchase, they have a small Spotify player right there just to double check you're ordering the right piece. It's the little things like this that make it a great shopping experience. But also the really important things also like great prices and fast shipping and makes it worth checking out. So go visit fixmusic.com. That's F-I-C-K-S music.com. And don't forget to use the promo code per service. That's all one word to get 10% off your order. How awesome is that? All right, here is the show. Uh, We haven't had a gig of the week segment in a while I know. but i have a worthy story okay maybe you played Mahler way too slow or airboat at the super bowl accompanied a manual axe or barbara walter's birthday bash maybe you made lots of dough or ate your pay from tso tell us all about it from your gig of the week maybe you nailed everything or faked your way through writer's spring got paid in beer and taco bell or suffered through more pocketbell saw essa pekka salonen or one of the kardashians tell us all about it in your gig of the week gig of the week so because I live in Austria and there are a lot of mini castles or also not so mini as in castlets. small castles. They're castlets, right. <laughs> so different like castles around blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. So there's one in particular, Schloss Obermeierhofen, which I have played at several times for different weddings and functions. Um, and so this time I was asked to play a baptism. Okay. Okay. So like not an infant. Well, I thought it was possibly uh-huh. going to be an infant baptism. wound up being a baptism. Catholic baptism for a little boy, probably about five years old. Anyway, point of the story is flute quartet. So flute, okay. violin, viola, cello. They had picked out specifically the movements, you know, so the um, when they walked in, they wanted the first movement from the D major. After the Lord's Prayer, they wanted the minuet from the A major. And then when they were leaving, they wanted the first movement from the C major. And then they wanted like 45 minutes of music, specifically Baroque and as much like Vivaldi as possible outside. We're talking Mozart, Mozart quartets? What are what? Mozart okay. quartets. Okay. Yeah, sorry. The Mozart flute quartets. Okay, so I had already played D and C just a couple of months ago at another mini concert. 
And I was like, oh, fine, no problem. Mm-hmm. Like A major can't be that much different. Right. Wrong. <laughs> so, I, was like, I was like, I'm I bet there's a there's a twist coming up here. Uh, this oh major twist. So of course, you know, the flutist says, I've got the music. You don't have to worry about printing yeah. it out or getting it. I'm like, Great. awesome. Great. So, of course, I don't look ahead at the music. So we get there and then they're like, what do you want to rehearse first? So we do D major, C major. And then they're like, oh, let's do A major. And the cellist goes, oh, I love this one. Everyone has a great solo. <laughs> or no, not, he doesn't say that. He goes, I love this one. Cello has a great solo. And I'm like, oh, cool. Okay, so we start you, right? yeah, nice. getting through the theme, getting for the first variation. And then I see there's a lot of black <laughs> coming up on the page. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, this looks important. Oh this looks important. So then it starts and I'm like, lo and behold, Viola has the chromatic variation, of course. Oh, you know. right. yeah. So I like get through it and it's actually not so bad. I'm like, oh, okay, fine. So it was so interesting for me. And also because it was right after the Lord's Prayer. So it was basically like the musical interlude mm-hmm. for this service, you know, in the little oh, yeah. castles miniature capella church thing sanctuary yeah and so it was such a a good experience for me i felt like it was like simulation like audition simulation because i was nervous and i so while we only we'd only rehearsed it twice before so i got to play through it twice and the whole time i was telling myself just feel relaxed this is what it feels like to play it relaxed and not stressed this is what it feels like this is like just relax your hands you know like so when (laughs) during the performance i just tried to like Nice. Mentally replay the rehearsal, if that makes sense. You know, I was like, this is what it feels like to be relaxed. This is, mm. and, it, and it went okay. Like it wasn't so bad. And I think that was really good for me <laughs> to practice, to, yeah, to somehow practice being relaxed because you don't get to do that so often, you know, especially with something so underprepared. Yeah. I feel like you think about like, uh, mentally rehearsing like the future, like what you want it to look like. But I've never really thought about like when you're there trying to recall the past and be like, this is what, this is what it's supposed to feel or I'm supposed to feel like how yeah. I, how I just did it. That's in- exactly. So, so that's what I tried. And then I also, of course, made the mental note never again to play a gig, <laughs> a chamber music gig without at least looking at the notes, uh, you know, to yeah. see like what's in the piece. Right. Or at least without somebody giving you a, a strong heads up, like, don't worry, it's all sight readable. Exactly. Which, uh, I feel like that phrase gets tossed around without like much. Well, I also feel like right. that's subjective. Sure. People have different sight reading skills. Especially when people bring those, the, the Matthew Naughton books, do you know, know those is like, some of those like oh, quartet yeah. things, they are not sight readable. Yeah, I forget where I did some of those and it was I mean, just like, no, I'm not. They, are, they are sight readable. They're not sight performable. <laughs> there is a right? Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. You know, nobody's going to want to listen to this. Unless they're on a cruise ship and they're all half drunk. And in which case, go ahead. But speaking yeah. of, Sorry, that's my speaking experience. Speaking of not wanting to listen to this, that pretty much says Anna Luce's face. So I think we should get on with the topic. <laughs> King of the week. Not true. <laughs> on with the show. Michael has some big life changes coming up pretty shortly here. I mean, in the immediate, yeah. immediate future, if you will. You know, that can be scary. Yeah. And exciting. And scary. Right. So I think but also exciting. I hinted at it in our last episode that I was like, we're moving. I don't really know where to, what we're doing. And I'm happy to say now that we are officially moving to 
sunny Boca Raton, Florida. So uh, that is so <laughs> say goodbye awesome. to the cold great white but north. I, but I gotta tell you, it might be Boca Raton. <laughs> is it? So this is. I, I've heard people say it this way, and I feel like Span- <laughs> we should in get to Spanish, the bottom of it. I feel like it's raton, like yeah, yeah, rat, yeah you're right, rat's you're mouth. Right. You say, I grew yeah. up in Boca Miami, raton. and I've raton. only known Boca Raton. Boca Raton. Well, that's when people are legit, but the rest of Florida, I guess, says Boca Raton. Boca Raton. <laughs> I so I've heard both already, and I'm like, oh boy, this yeah. is where we're already. Uh, no, I have my my lip automatically curls at that one. <laughs> it I'm also like, makes me feel can't. very uncomfortable when I hear Boca Raton. Well, I know it's terrible. Like, it makes my body. I feel like I think terrible. of pass the baton, which pass is the baton. Like not <laughs> pass the baton. I'm so excited for you, Michael. Thank the you. Florida life is the best life. Florida, I'm excited too. We are um, so good. Uh, I'll clue you guys into more of the details uh i'm thinking about actually sort of chronicling the move and sort of going from uh you know finding finding gigs and finding references and and all this stuff and maybe you know maybe it'll be helpful maybe it'll be interesting maybe not don't listen to it if you're if it's not interesting um but basically my wife and i we kind of made the decision from a anything but this kind of standpoint. We didn't have anything lined up. We didn't have it. Uh, we didn't know what we were going to. It was just like, hey, this last year pretty much sucked and we don't want to keep doing this anymore. So it's like, we're going to do something else. And so we were both wrestling with this profound question of like, what are we doing with our lives and where are we going? And what, you know, are we doing work that makes us happy? And I think, uh, you know, if you sit with these questions for a while, uh, they're not fun questions to think about. And um, and actually, they especially don't make you happy thinking about all these things. And like, am I doing stuff that makes me the most happiest? Yes, but am, I think I'm happy. But could I be happier doing this? And well, we'll get sort of into these profound questions. But that's actually what we're talking about today. And I wanted to start sort of just at a more basic level with you guys and, and say, do you consider yourself a happy person? And I mean, I don't think any of us feel happy all the time. Obviously, we all have problems and days where we don't feel great. But in simple situations, what are some things that you do that can make you more happy or things that make you feel better? Well, maybe we can start with just like very simple, common issues that we all face as freelancers and you know, maybe you get a gig and you show up and it's just not what you thought it was going to be. Either the level of the plane isn't good or it's very disorganized or many combinations of those and other things. And you basically can hate it and be grumpy and let it ruin your day. Or you can decide how you're going to you know, deal with that in a way that yeah, you don't have to be like happy about it necessarily, but how are you going to react so that it doesn't ruin your day and that you're not one of those people broadcasting negative energy and attitude. I mean, we've touched on this a lot and it, that comes down to a choice and how you're going to, what you're going to focus on, what you choose to focus on, yeah. how you choose to handle that situation. It's kind of, unfortunately falls on your shoulders. I'm kind of against things right now that like I have to take responsibility for, <laughs> right. but this is one right. of them. And I mean, that's the thing is like, 
it'd be easy to say, well, you chose to accept that gig and like you knew it was going to be a lousy gig, but you made that decision. And it's like, well, that's true. Maybe we're not always in a position where you can turn down gigs, especially it's like, I need the money, Absolutely. especially in the summer. It's like, hey, I kind of need to take whatever I can get right now. Absolutely. So I get that. And so it's I feel like it's a little bit insult to injury would be like, if you're not happy at your gig, just, you know, it's like, well, maybe, you know, it's not going to be a great gig but you do it anyway, but you can still go in there with an attitude. So it doesn't like make it worse. You you know, that's all I mean. Cause I'm definitely one of those people that like, I have to take everything that comes my way. Sure. And it's not necessarily all rainbows and butterflies and chocolate covered ponies. Really? I started to say that is like a weird thought. Chocolate Never seen pony. one before. I haven't either. I think you said something interesting. Jess was that you said you can, how you can choose to react to whatever is happening at the gig. Like maybe it's, it's, there's all sorts of lousy things that are happening, but how you choose to react, I think is really important. And also how people perceive you then. I think people perceive you as being a happy person or uh, in a good mood based on how you react. And when, especially when everybody is in, allows a situation, you know, especially if you're, you know, I've been on the bus that breaks down and, uh, you know, or the, the food that was supposed to be here an hour ago. It's like, it's, it's happening to all of us. And yet some people are choosing to react differently than others. Right. And you can't always actually re- control your reaction because reaction is like a split second thing. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think we've all probably been in those situations where we're, we're doing okay and and fine and but the people around us are being so negative and then it kind of brings you down and i just i don't want to be one of those people and i know i sometimes am i'm definitely not perfect at doing like you know at not doing that anna's smiling because she's maybe (laughs) this is like had a moments i had a flashback to what 2010 The fateful summer of 2010. Hey, but you know what? This is the value of being having been friends so long, the four of us, because we've been in unfortunate rehearsal situations at festivals or or what have you, and we've had to in anyway, like we've experienced each other working out our feelings. In yeah, not have, so great. We have played so like, beauty to one another. I'm Maybe sure we're each. I'll, although I gotta say, Michael, I've never seen you, you act negatively in rehearsal. Uh, have Jess or Christian seen it? I'm I'm a big mm, from Michael. No, well, the, the, some of yeah. Dang, Michael. Uh, although, ah, oh, oh. although now. Oh wait, no, I have one. I have oh, one. Tell, Michael, tell, and tell. I, Michael and I toured China together. Oh, in 2009 ish, 2009 or yeah on the bus that can't exit the highway because they're all, all the exits are frozen. So we're like in the middle of nowhere in China, oh like God. all the stuff. Anyway, <laughs> that was like, that was one of the worst days. Ever. And Michael just stood up. We were at the front of the bus and like these awesome Spaniards were at the back, like partying with a couple bottles of uh, they, rum I was mostly mad that they planned ahead and, and Michael, brought alcohol with them. I was like, Ugh. yeah, but Michael <laughs> stood up and loud. I mean, loud enough for anyone who can speak English to hear. He goes, if you can't beat them, <laughs> join them. And he just like walked to the back of the bus and and just like became Be- Spanish. Because you were actually <laughs> upset with the Spaniards and you're just like, forget it. Yeah. Well, I was because I was sitting up there and like I was tired and we've been sitting on this bus in frozen China for, like for hours and like just, yeah, not in a great mood. And I think I was, yeah, just stewing, you know, and, and in the back of the bus, it's like reggaeton party. I, that's not Spanish. Book I don't know what. Uh, They were, you know, just blasting music and drinking and having the best time. And I was just like, you know, I'm just like, and then eventually I was like, all right, well, 
obviously this isn't getting me anywhere. They're having a lot of fun. Yeah, but you still like, Can't beat you them. still made Join it a them. positive thing. And that's what's great about you. But I guess, yeah, for a while you probably did see me. Yeah, I saw. Stewing. I, saw, <laughs> stewing. Stewing. <laughs> I think that, uh, that like, okay, so we've seen each other. Now Christian has one on Michael, even though it's still kind of positive. <laughs> but it's cool to like see right. people, you know, grow through dealing with unfortunate situations and hopefully as we get older there'll be less of them but you know it's probably not true but i think like michael what you did there was me you made a choice and i feel like that's the basis of happiness for me i remember having a revelation in 2009 thanks to greg who told me that happiness was a choice and it's like seriously something i think about yeah i wanted to punch (laughs) him in the face but then i thought about it and i was like nope he's right because it is a choice and that's why when people have bad reactions and like you said, your split second initial reaction, you, can't you maybe control. can't control, but you can't control yeah. what comes out of your mouth. And I think <laughs> You're right. that's the difference. <laughs> I love that the, the like uh, platitudes that come from uh, uh, your spouse or from, from those close to you are generally not appreciated <laughs> at, in the moment. You're like, <laughs> no. Well, yeah. Happiness is a choice. Go, <laughs> go take a long walk off a short plank or whatever. <laughs> oh, well, it's one of those things that in those moments... When you're stewing, yeah. you usually don't want to hear it. Oh, yeah. It's like when someone says to calm down when you're stewing. And you're like, oh, yeah. nope, I nope. will not. <laughs> Dude, right. in fact, I will get more riled up now, sir. <laughs> you know, like, that's, that's usually I do, my reaction. I do say, sir. Oh. I said good day. <laughs> <laughs> Jess is waiting for a moment to yell, I said good day to anyone. Oh, my gosh. I, like, really <laughs> want this moment to happen where somebody says something and I have, like, a great comeback. And then they say something I'm like, I said good day. And then they're like, no, I'm like, I said good day, sir. And then I leave. <laughs> I like really want it to happen. Is that, I always, I can never place it. Is that from uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? Is that a Willy Wonka? Well, I don't know. I don't know. He, well, I'm try, I, I can just never really place want where to that say actually came from. I said good day, sir. And say it twice in a really dramatic fashion. You're an inhuman monster. I said good day. Uh, especially guys are probably also into like, oh, I'm going to fix this situation. I'm going to, all you got to do is just, uh, just make a better choice. And it's like, well, well, (laughs) that sounds nice, but I'm just trying to vent right now. Right. Well, and see, so I do think that there is a time and place for venting. And I think that it's healthy. You need to get it out sometimes just so that it's not Mm -hmm. in you. Right. Like Mm -hmm. I think sometimes the release of that, it's way for you to have the ability to be happy. Like you can't keep it all inside. Although I have been so um, thinking about happiness and and being the guy, I was like, well, I'll just Google it. And I found a lot of resources from Gretchen Rubin wrote a couple books uh, and from Better Than Before, I think is it. And then the the one that stuck out or that jumped out to me was the Happiness Project. The happiness Project. Happiness Project. Yeah. I was like, oh, that sounds like a that sounds like something interesting. And so I haven't I haven't read the books. I'm a pre- I'm not going to pretend like I'm an avid reader. Have I've you kind of been consuming a lot of the stuff that's just just on her blog and and a couple of podcasts that she's been on. Um, and so all of a sudden, it's like, oh, there are there's lots of stuff out here. Already. Well, I was just going to ask you, have you heard her interview on the James Altucher podcast? I, I did. Yeah. I love that one because I love how she really starts out a little bit uh, with her own story. How sure. she says, because, you know, he asked her and he's like, well, how did you know you weren't happy? How did you know that you needed a change? And she goes, and she had already mm-hmm. had a pretty successful career up until this point, like going through law school and working for a good firm. And she was like, I was around these people mm-hmm. in, in this firm. 
who like loved law, like in their free time, they're talking about it, reading about it, discussing it, you know, over cocktails after work, like just la la la. And I realized I am not like that at all. And I actually don't like it. And I want to be doing other things mm-hmm. in my free time. And I'm thinking about other things. And she goes, I realized I was not happy. So she was like, I need to be hmm. doing something else. I'm happiest when I'm writing or I'm happiest when I'm researching. So then she realized she wanted to research. Mm-hmm. I think that's so great that she used other people's happiness to gauge her own, to be like, ah, that's what it could look like to be happiest in, in your type of work. That's not where I'm at. How, what would it look like for me to be there? What would, I, what would I need to be doing all the time for me to be happy? Mm-hmm. You can also be smart about your happiness and use it as a way to kind of, you know, tank up on energy. Um, and so she said, you know, if you're someone who loves nature or loves libraries or something, you know, plan a walk during your lunch break or, or if your partner loves doing something like go out into the city and then like you get to go to the library for a little bit while he does his thing and then you meet up after. And that means you've both had your time where you've done something happy that you like. And, and I really, I like that idea because she says, you know, um, it's your happiness doesn't have to mm-hmm. match everyone else's, but you should still find a way to make accessing the things that make you happy a priority. So find ways to incorporate going on a run, going to visit a library, watching uh, a foreign film, or those little things that mm-hmm. that really speak to maybe one specific facet of your personality that really do bring you happiness. Build that into your schedule. Find a way to make that a a part of your lifestyle. And that was that was really encouraging to me. What really suck what jumped out of me what you're just saying is that like like you have to find out the things that make you happy and everybody's different and nobody is going to be able to tell you like oh well you need to go to the library maybe you hate libraries like maybe you need to go on a walk maybe you hate going on walks mm-hmm. exactly but, oh she has this great and sorry i'm stealing your conversation again she has this great antidote where this she's at a party and this woman's like oh like my husband and i um love skiing and you know it's so great but like he just hurt his leg mm-hmm. so it's really unfortunate or whatever that we can't go skiing and Gretchen's like oh well, I wouldn't think that at all because like I don't I don't go I don't like to go skiing or whatever and then the woman leaves or whatever the conversation ends and then she comes back 10 minutes later I heard the same ones like and, and she's like like trying to convince Gretchen that skiing is so great it's like oh there's outdoors it's you know exercise exactly. and she's it's like, so great mm, and no like wouldn't don't want me. to yeah and then she comes back 10 minutes later and is like oh my gosh, I just realized I hate skiing. (laughs) Yeah. And she had only ever talked herself into loving skiing because her husband did. And it's just like generally accepted. That's like, oh, everybody loves skiing. You're supposed to love skiing. Yeah. And I think I I have reached a little bit of this state with um, hiking, like outdoors. And I know it's so funny, Mm -hmm. like, you know, everyone should love it. What's not to love about being outside of nature, but it's just like not who I am naturally. It's like not how I'm naturally Mm -hmm. wired. But my wife, Maria, is the exact opposite. She is the most happy when we're like out in the wilderness for two weeks and she doesn't have to do anything remotely like digital. (laughs) So rather than, you know, her trying to force me to like want to do it or to like it, she's really come to learn that like that's not who I am. And that's given me enough acceptance to say, hey, I don't mind now going with you for two or three days because... I know that that's kind of my limit or that's something that I can 
gratefully and kind of cheerfully give her to make her happy. But at the same time, I know that she's not thinking, oh, he's finally going to love it or it's going to become his thing. We've both accepted it's not my thing. And that's Mm -hmm. made it easier for me to spend time with her doing that thing that she really likes because I'm not expected to find my happiness in it as well. Mm. Ah, that's good. Some truth browns right there. That's been a cool step to to grow in. So as musicians, as freelancers, how can we take that story and these things that we are quote unquote supposed to love or supposed to find happiness in, in our, um, you know, work? Mm -hmm. How this is a really, I I think I would concuss (laughs) every time now I like can't say something. I'm concussed. There's a story there. I don't know if you've, do you want to share with the audience that you, yeah. Hey audience, I recently suffered a concussion. And talking is really hard. (laughs) (laughs) Putting words together in a way that makes sense has proven difficult since the concussion. But I have actually been doing, this is for another episode, but stay tuned because I've been doing some reflection. (laughs) I was going to say reflectivity. (laughs) Guys, it's really hard words. Uh Um, (laughs) And I realized the events leading up to the concussion, maybe I wasn't doing as much self-care as I needed. And so I was like, I got to listen to our episode again and also right. on self-care. And we might need to have part two, three, four, and 10 um, because there's a lot in yeah. it. There's a lot in the self-care area. Um, yeah. But yeah, so that's why if I sound crazy, it's because I am, my brain is broken. It's currently recovering, but how do we, or maybe what are things that we are supposed to quote unquote, like in our jobs that maybe we don't, yeah. And there's no judgment here. We might have different answers to that, but like For me, I think uh figuring out the the jam session or like when there are other musicians, maybe they're not classical musicians, like uh hey, we're all going to uh we're just going to jam or the or like the the fiddle circle sort of these uh just for hours on end, we're going to sit around the campfire, or sit around sit sit in the back of the tour bus and just jam all night. Like I don't don't enjoy it. I don't like it. <laughs> I get, I mean, for me, I get bored. I, it's just like some people really, you know, get into it and like, Oh, how did, you know, taking the lick from the other guy who just did that? Like, I'm going to figure that out. I'm going to, you know, copy. It's a conversation. It's like some people really get into that. I don't. And I think <laughs> I realized I don't, I'm not going to try to, I'm not going to pursue those kind of gigs anymore. I was, I was for a while. I was like, Oh, I need to like get, get some more of these like alternative style gigs and, and people need to see that I'm versatile. And it's like, I don't, I don't really enjoy doing that. So that was, okay. are, you, are you sure you don't enjoy it? Can you enjoy it a little bit? Right? Can you just try it and yeah. like warm up to it? <laughs> some of it. And it's like, well, I also realized well, like, like I'm not very good at it. Maybe some of that has, also some of it, why I don't, I don't enjoy it is because I'm, I'm just not good at it compared. And I compare myself mm-hmm. some of that. And there's maybe a clue in there that I, some of it is I'm comparing myself to other people. And so yeah. I don't know, maybe there, it's multiple layers, but at least that's one thing that I realized like, yeah, I just don't like this in part. Although it's, talk about something that's going to steal your happiness. Comparison. Ooh. <laughs> we might just have, leave that one hanging there. Just going to throw that out there. <laughs> Ooh, it's so true though, because every single day, each of us deals with comparison in the music world. And honestly, I think the biggest, like, Mm -hmm. I feel like this could go in many directions, but I think the biggest one 
is not getting called for a gig and seeing who did and knowing it could have been you and having to deal with that feeling. Mm-hmm. But like some people you feel you like just fine, but you're still like, oh no, like what did I do wrong? Did I do something wrong last time? And then that like comparison feeds into anxiety. Mm-hmm. So those can be friends, best friends, comparison and anxiety, <laughs> bringing down yeah. the happiness. And that's even easier. To sometimes you you can get so caught up in like seeing who else is on the email thread and and maybe this is like the second round of people like you know you you can tell you're not on the the A team or something and it's like it's like you know that's just one contractor's email and there are all sorts of reasons and so it's like it's not this set in stone that because somebody else got called ahead of you that they are better than you and and you're it's just like. So many issues, but I definitely got caught up into that comparison and, you know, thinking less of myself and not being happy because I wasn't, you know, I was comparing somebody else's, oh, there's some saying that everybody says, like, don't compare your first chapter with someone else's, you know, middle chapter or, or like where, where they are in life. Oh, <laughs> I don't know if it, it's not chapter, but like, don't, don't yeah, compare your beginning. No, no you know writer what? wrote that You're one. Right <laughs> well, obviously I'm not saying it the right way. Like, <laughs> oh, so critical, <laughs> you know, don't, don't compare where you are in life with where somebody else is in life. It's like, they've been, they've been doing it a lot longer than you. Right. Um, Cause it's like, yeah, we all, when you move to a new city and I think this is something that I'm going to be facing a lot. Like when you move to a new place or when you're trying to get established, you're just the new person. It takes a while to break in and somebody else have, they've just been doing it. And also when you start a new thing, it's like you suck at it at the beginning. But well, and the other thing I'm trying to learn this, but I'm not like, it's not sticking is that sometimes with the contractors, even there's actually no reason that they didn't call you. Maybe they opened their email and you know, whoever showed up on the top of their email list that day is who got the call. It, it really is not necessarily anything about what you did or did not do. It never feels that way, of course, but that is actually the reality is what I'm trying to get. Yeah. Cause like I'm kind of in a situation like that right now and it's making me insane and I don't like it. And you know, of course, like we don't even have all the information as the person who's being contracted. We don't even know one tenth yeah. of the happenings, but we fill it in. Cause I think yeah. we're so creative because we're such creative people in mm-hmm. a creative line of work that we fill it in with all of the possibilities. And they're usually negative about ourselves like we're so used to critiquing ourselves and having others critique us that we don't, or it's more difficult for us mm-hmm. to say, Oh, okay. It has nothing to do with me. It's just like whatever happened today or whatever. And that's really hard because it does feel personal sometimes, even if it's not. Anytime I'm facing yeah, happiness crisis in my work as a freelancer, be it as a musician or as a writer or translator, teacher, kind of whatever I'm doing. I usually call my older brother or my oldest brother, just kind of like, you know, to get his two cents. And so he had told me once before and I complained, yeah, you know, something about maybe not moving up in the circles I was, I was working in or just being kind of generally unhappy. And he was like, you know, it sounds like that situation, you have no influence over it. And I was like, well, what do you mean? He goes, so if you picture something like a bullseye, like you're in the very middle, all around you is your direct influence. Uh So this is everything that you can 
yeah, basically, like I said, it's directly influenced. And as a musician, it's basically how well we play, how well we play our attitude at a gig and maybe our repertoire. So this sort of thing, what we can do automatically. And then the indirect influence is who's calling us for gigs, where we're playing, the type of musicians we're playing with. And then mm-hmm. there's the outer space, the rim of the bullseye, and that's things we can you know, not control whatsoever. And most of the time, our stress and anxiety and also time uh, is spent worrying about the outer yeah. space, these things that we cannot control. And rather than actually investing on the things that we can directly influence. And so my brother had said, he's like, you know, the majority of your time should be spent on polishing yourself as a musician. Like, am I always in shape? Am I always able to play something? Do I always have a piece ready? Or am I staying in super good shape so that when the time comes, Mm -hmm. I'm ready to show off? You know, I'm, I -hmm. can always put my best foot forward. And then he goes for indirect influence. He goes, you know, are you, do you have an ensemble and good repertoire that you're willing to maybe play at a library for free or play, you know, contact an art gallery and say, we want some exposure. So we would love to play at this opening. If you know, maybe there might be some prominent people there for free. And so that gives you contacts. And then in return, that might get you a call from somebody else later. Mm -hmm. And so he says, you know, the more you focus on your direct influence and try to build your indirect influence, those circles get bigger. And then you will start getting calls from certain people or you will start making contacts. And the entire time, you're actively turning away from this outer space. You're actively turning away from the things that you can't control. Mm. I thought that was, that's also been really... Yeah, that's been really good for me because every time I think about these these ensembles that I'm not playing in, well, of course I'm not playing them because I'm not even working on the first step. You know, I'm not even getting myself ready to send in the audition tape or to send in the, the sublist tape or whatever. And I think that's something that we can remind ourselves. I don't have to be unhappy mm-hmm. about the things I can't control. I can choose to, yeah, to focus on the things I can control, the things I can improve and influence. Yeah. I think Gretchen Rubin talks about focus on the actions that you can take and don't worry about the outcomes or like the things that you can't control or, you know, like Mm -hmm. if you're expecting these outcomes, like you can't, you can't expect those, but what you can control is your actions and what you're going to do to get yourself ready or, and, and she says that a lot of the happiness comes from this process and like doing things and, and making plans and, and, you know, and finding and, and, and in those actions, like if you're working mm-hmm. with other colleagues to try to prepare a concert, it's like usually those things that you're doing that process a lot of times is what brings happiness or like we enjoy those things because we're actually doing something instead of just sitting at home being like, why isn't anybody calling me? Like, what, what am I doing with my life? That's what the nervous thought in my head sounds like. I think. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little ghost. I, it's yeah. interesting. I <laughs> feel like I've also kind of forced myself to work on the the inner circle a bit because yeah, I basically have stepped down from an orchestra that I play in. So beginning in the fall, I won't be there anymore, and that's opened a lot of of the mental space I need to realize. Okay, maybe some of the financial security won't be there in the fall, so that means I need to work on my my inner circle so I can get somewhere else. 
And at the same time, I'm, I'm turning away from the constant source of unhappiness, the constant source of comparing myself to people in ensembles where they appear happy. Yeah, so I think that's also something y- you, can, you can consider doing. It's not always easy, but I think I'm much more likely to jump, let's say jump off a cliff into water if I've been mm-hmm. pushed the first time. Like once, you know, like I don't usually want to jump the first time, but like if I somehow get pushed in or I just force myself to do it without thinking, then jumping on my own times two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 are much easier so I usually have to just, you know, do it the first time without much thinking or, you know, get pushed in and then I'm okay. And so I feel like I'm kind of doing that now. You know, I put myself in a situation where I have to stay, start taking mm-hmm. auditions. And the first ones I feel like are going to be a little bit uncomfortable just because there's a lot of emotional pressure built up. But I feel like this is the only way I'm going to do it. Or this is the only way I'm going to kind of push myself. Because if I just keep doing the, uh, the, the easy way of staying in an ensemble where I'm unhappy mm-hmm. and just still always comparing, I'm just going to vegetate in this semi-unhappy, comfortable state, which is not happiness. Anybody, did anybody else have any uh, things that as musicians you're expected to like or things that you think everybody everybody's supposed to like this stuff, but you just realize that you don't really like I know a lot of freelance musicians who have a handful of private students, like mm-hmm. private teaching. Mm-hmm. And I, that has never been my thing. I just, so I just don't do it. People are like, so oh, do you have any students? And I'm like, no. And they're like, why not? And I'm like, cause I don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cause I don't, I neither want to, nor have I really been approached. And also I, cause I'm not putting myself out there at all. But I, I, I just think I've recognized I don't enjoy it. I don't think that's where my, my gift is. And mm-hmm. yeah, so that's just, I just don't resonate with anyone who teaches privately. Actually, if I may on that, this kind of goes back to something we said earlier, where the option to not do that is not always available because mm-hmm. f- financially. One thing I'm trying to also wrap my head around is, mm-hmm. you know, there's short term and long term things. And sometimes your short term things might feel long term, you know, but They don't have to be necessarily the things that you don't enjoy doing, whether it's Christian, like you don't really want to teach, but like, should a situation arise where like you have to go do it for financial reasons? Sorry, I'm just using you as an example. No, that's Um, fine. You know, you could do it and I think you could hate it every second of it and then make, you know, you'd be a bad teacher and you'd hate every second of doing it. Or you can also choose to look at it as, Maybe this isn't my favorite thing, but I have a lot I could learn from this and it isn't going to be my forever life. And so I don't know when it will, I'll be able to release it, but what can I learn and what can I give in this situation? And I think that can also help you with your happiness because maybe it's not something you are like, oh, this is always what I wanted to do, but you can still turn it into a positive thing. And then knowing I don't have to do this forever. It's also helpful. In my particular situation, being an American or, you know, native English speaker over here, I've rather than teaching, I've been able to take up a lot of private English students or teaching some business English courses or now teaching at two universities. And so I know some other Americans or native English speakers who don't like that and actually do prefer to take every gig or even teach privately because they don't want to do the language thing. They want to only stay in music. And so I think that has been... So rather than teaching, I've found this other thing that I do. And and 
choose to do also willingly for the money. And so I think I'm, and it's also something where I've not enjoyed it Mm -hmm. every time, but I've said like, you know, it's not going to be like this forever. And in the meantime, I'm going to learn from it. I'm going to get some good things out of it. And so I think I I definitely understand what you're saying. I think that's a healthy mindset to have to approach a situation. Yeah. With this mindset of it's not going to be forever, but while I am doing it, let me make the most of it. Mm -hmm. That sort of brings up, Another question about there are very short term things that we can do to make ourselves happy. And then there are very long term things. And sometimes short term things or or like treating ourselves doesn't really make us happy. I guess specifically thinking of like I have conflicting ideas where like being healthy and, and being, you know, losing some weight would make me happy. But also when I'm when I'm not happy, sometimes eating ice cream also makes me happy. And so it's like I these are very conflicting ideals where it's like eating ice cream right now would make me very happy. But in the long term, I don't want to continually just like every time I'm not feeling good, start eating ice cream because, man, I do love me some ice cream. Like, don't get me wrong. I may but, or may not have bought two boxes of chocolate dipped cones the other day. Not even embarrassed. <laughs> Right. right. I'm, not, I'm not here to judge you either. Uh, because like, I won't tell you what's how much ice cream I've eaten a lot recently. Um, but ultimately, you know, it doesn't make me happy feeling out of shape. And so there are, there are, I think there are, there is a time and a place. And if you can, if I can develop ways of treating the ways to treat yourself that aren't detrimental to your long-term happiness, I think is is something and that's a uh, you know something something to keep in mind. I think sometimes we've maybe talked about something that we don't really like and not everybody likes is teaching and I was definitely in that camp of uh this is sort of something you have to do and and oh it's it's good because you're training up the next generation and and, and kind of historically I've always been like I don't really enjoy it. But I I've have about 5 students now and I've been sort of saying goodbye to them because I'm moving and, you know, passing them off to another teacher. And the other day I felt really happy or really satisfied in the work that I did as in one of my last lessons with all of them, I was thinking back on, you know, where they were when they came to me and, and kind of worked really hard on, you know, straightening out their bow and, and all, and like using a big sound and stuff and they were doing it. And I was like, wow, that's like, I feel really happy about, uh, I feel great about the work that I've done. I mean, maybe it's self-centered that's like, and just sort of thinking back was, it's funny that even something where maybe I didn't like it at first, like you, Christian, you were talking about that. Like maybe you got pushed into it at first, but I think sort of in the process of doing it, I started liking it more. And I think, I think it's something as, as I move forward, I think I might, uh, actually continue to, seek out students because I've gotten a little taste of it already that it's like, actually there are some days where I really enjoy it. And, but anyways, <laughs> also regarding teachers, I was just at a wedding this weekend and I met someone who studied piano pedagogy and works at a school. And I've not met for, for whatever reason, like too many people who have studied specific, you know, piano pedagogy and wanted to be a piano teacher. And her love for music through teaching was was so palpable and so tangible. It was it was really actually inspired, like it inspired me to love what I do in music as much as she loves what she does in music. I think that was really cool to see like someone who recognizes yeah. their gift for teaching and their gift for for 
spreading music that way. When someone recognizes that yeah. that a certain aspect of freelancing or music making is theirs, I say like run with it because that happiness is mm-hmm. also what people need. For sure. Totally. I think that I, I wish sometimes I was in, as inspired to do the things I'm doing in music as teachers are because I, you know, like having a, I feel like they, they're like, I know I I want to reach these goals with these kids. I feel like it's more goal oriented than just like playing the violin and trying to be a performer. And I think that's Mm -hmm. the part that the structure of teaching passion is what I envy sometimes just like the total structure and like balance that it looks like they have and maybe they don't, but I think to a degree it has more moving parts and goals and I think that's neat. Uh, you mentioned so you mentioned one of the big buzzwords that I think is a big part of uh, happiness is somewhere in between these goals of like something we're always striving for and something we're always searching for versus being content with what you have and being content with where you are, even even if the gig is not perfect. And I think. Happiness is somewhere in between these because I think there are the people that if you're always goal oriented and you're always seeking the next thing, it's like, oh, I've got a, you know, a good car, but maybe if I had a better car, that would make me happier. If I, I've got a house, but you know, if I had, if I had a better house or bigger house, nicer house, then I'd be happy. And, and you know, that's you if you listen to, I, I really like these sort of business and self independent uh, entrepreneur podcasts. And there, there are plenty of people that were working in the big finance job or the big corporate job they were making tons of money and they just were not happy and it's like I and they all quit to pursue their own thing and to do you know something that really made them happy and it's like there's just like so many examples that the money and the bigger nicer thing isn't going to make you happy and so I don't think that being 100% goal oriented and like trying to you know achieve the next thing inherently makes you happy on the on the flip side being complacent and just sort of also accepting like, well, this is what life is and this is all there is to do. That also is not guaranteed to bring happiness. So it's like, I think there's somewhere in the middle, somewhere in the balance of trying to search for the the next thing and trying to, and trying to become better is, is important and somewhere in between there of accepting what you have, I think is important. So does that, does that make sense? I think it makes sense. I I think it's hard for a lot of our personality types because a lot of musicians are perfectionists. You constantly are striving to get that next thing. And it's like, okay, I reached And I think we all set goals in our, in our music and our playing and then we reach it and then it's time to set the next one, Mm -hmm. which I think is, is necessary. But it's sometimes I think we don't stop to appreciate the work we've done or appreciate like, look what I've achieved or look what this other person has achieved. Like my friend has it or whatever, you know, we just don't do that because we immediately move on to the next thing. Cause it's part of our craft too, is the contentment issue is something we have to, as musicians, like work on more maybe because there's always that fear of if I take this gig, what am I going to miss out on something better? Especially in the freelance scene, especially, you know, when you're taking mm-hmm. the better gig, the better paying gig, the more satisfying gig or whatever. Yeah. So we always want the next, the better gig, yeah, the better paying gig. True. But there are people, that's why I think is that there are people that are happy and content at, at all those different levels too. 
And I, I think I, I used definitely used to think like, Oh, the people in the better orchestras are the happier people. And there's all these miserable people yeah, totally. in, in the local smaller. And it's, and it's really mm-hmm. not true. There are people that choose to be happy and be content right. with where they are regardless of the situation. Yeah. I think also related to contentment is a lot of people talk about the gratitude. And there are a lot of people that write down, you know, three things that you're grateful for every day. And I think that it's a powerful thing. I'm sort of either I have bad habits or I sort of snark at uh, starting these things because they feel cliche that everybody's like, write it down in your gratitude journal. It sounds a little frou-frou to me, but it's like, ah, get over your your cynicism and, and try it, Michael. So maybe I'll try it. It's a form of exercising contentment is that instead of always comparing yourself to what other people have, is looking at the things in your life and say, what what do I have? What are three things that I have right now that I can be grateful for? Do you guys ever, ever, ever done that? Yeah. Sometimes what I do is I ask myself what my current situation would look like if it was worse. I try to say like, okay, well, if this is how I think it would be better, well, what would be worse? And then through realizing that, I see how good I have it and that things are actually going quite well. And then I'm able to see those things clearly and be like, okay, for this, I'm grateful. I think another thing is looking if you're like really unhappy with something and I guess this could apply to like all areas of life, but especially like with, you know, the topic of music, what could you change about your situation that would make you happier and what can you not change or not control? And this kind of goes back to Christian's things with the, the bullseye. And when you look at what you can't control, like I did this recently when I looked at the things that I could not control They were a lot of things and it's like, and I'm letting this, no, but my point is like, I'm letting it eat me alive. You know, like I'm letting Mm -hmm. it dictate how I'm feeling about myself, how I'm feeling about my future or whatever. And, and I have no control over it. And so I have to just let it go or it's going to be the death of me. And is it worth it? Probably not. It's probably not worth dying, especially since it's, again, one of those things where I don't know all the information. The people who are in control of that situation, they also don't know the information so that they can't tell me anything. And I think, you know, so it's like there's no information (laughs) and I can't control it even, you know, when they finally Mm -hmm. get it. And so it's like I have got to figure out how to not dwell on that. And it comes down to the dwelling. I'm really good at that. Also, like I've wrapped myself worth into some of these things and they don't actually dictate myself worth. But I think we as musicians, you know, it's kind of like the better gig thing. Like you were saying, Michael, oh, everybody is so much happier in those types of orchestras or people who have these types of gigs are going to be so much happier. We believe that, oh, if I could just get this or if I could just have that, everything would be better. And like some things might be in some ways like yeah. but it's not going to change who you are and it's not going to change your thought processes right it's, and and that's the only that's what you can change is your thought processes mm. it's hard but and wherever you go there you are like okay you you get to the next yeah if there are big problems in your head getting to a better uh job right is not going to fix that at all. And so I don't know, I think just, and it's hard work, you know, it's it's way easier to say, well, if you can't control it, don't worry about it. That's hard. But I think in the long term, that is going to be healthier. Mm -hmm. Although it's tricky to get to that place. So I think Bobby McFerrin had some sage advice and I don't know. Don't worry. Be happy. It's also like, it also makes me angry at how simplistic it is. It's like, 
but it's kind of true, which is annoying. Cool, man. All right. Wow, there's a lot of stuff in there. Yeah, but I think it's good, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. I love also at the end of every episode, we're like, was that any good? Was there anything useful in there? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Did you have a good time? Did it make you happy? Aiming to please you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> right, <that's, laughs> I guess uh, show notes page are perservice.co slash 30. Oh, <gasps> we've done 30 episodes, guys. Whoa. All right. Yeah. All right. Getting big time. That's where you can find us. I am Michael O'Giblin. I'm Anna Luce. I'm Jessica Wiersma. And I'm Christian Marshall. Well, that is our show, folks. What are some of the things that you have to be grateful for? What are some of the things that you can focus on that are within your control? And what results that are out of your control do you need to just let go of? I think that image of the bullseye that Christian mentioned is such a great mental picture. When you're getting upset, angry, or worried about something, where on that target would you place it? Well, perservice.co slash 30, like the numbers, is where you'll find the links and the resources from Gretchen Rubin and also the original, I said good day, sir, quote, and uh, much, much more. So thank you so much for spending this hour with us. We would just love to hear from you. You can send us an email, hey at perservice.co, that's H-E-Y at perservice.co, or you can find us on Instagram. We are at perservicepodcast.com. Or you can leave us a note in an iTunes review, which we would definitely appreciate. And this show is made possible by the support of listeners like you. We would especially like to thank Siri Bloom, Kathleen Lavengood, Sarah Lee, and Anne Brigaman for their generosity in supporting us on Patreon. And today, I am grateful for each and every one of you. If you enjoy our work and would consider making a monthly contribution so that we can devote more time to making this show at a higher quality and more often, if you would like to do that, please search for our show on patreon.com. And of course, a link for that is in the show notes page, perservice.co slash 30. As I mentioned earlier, I'm currently moving to Boca Raton. Maybe it's Boca Raton? I don't know. Florida. And so... Uh, getting everybody together for a podcast during the move is a little tricky this summer so the frequency of the podcast is going to slow down for the next month or so but I'll be documenting my move and what led to this decision and how to find gigs in a new city perhaps you can learn a thing or two from my success or my failures so keep an eye out for those episodes coming this summer and also on Instagram In closing, this Chinese proverb has some interesting wisdom. It says, if you want happiness for an hour, take a nap. If you want happiness for a day, go fishing. If you want happiness for a year, inherit a fortune. And if you want happiness for a lifetime, help someone else. All right. Well, until next time, be well and practice well. 